0: We're talking about on the subject of encountering God and what that means and what that looks like. And last week, if you remember, I, I opened up with our kind of foundational text, Exodus 33:11, where it says that God would speak to Moses face to face. He would speak to Moses face-to-face, as, as one friend to another, as a, as a friend would. And I shared with you last week that, that though that's a beautiful verse, uh, it is a verse that I had a problem with because I, I was always like, God, I, I want that type of relationship with you. Like, like I want to be able to talk with you face-to-face. I want to be able to have an encounter with you. I want you to speak to me like a friend does. You're the creator of the universe, and you say in the Scripture that, that you talk to Moses face-to-face. I desire that, too. And my hope and my desire for, for us this morning is that we, too, would desire a face-to-face encounter with God. But I think a misconception and, and a misunderstanding that we have is that, 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 that face-to-face encounters with God is, is, is only reserved for or only exclusive to the spiritual people. Like, like only the pastors can have a face-to-face encounter with God. Only the evangelists or the, the missionaries, those really doing God's work, those are the ones that can have a true, genuine face-to-face encounter with God. And so it's because of that misunderstanding, it's because of that, uh, of, of, of that kind of false thinking that, that we don't pursue that like we should. But we also read last week in 2 Corinthians 3.16, that if anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That means if anyone turns to the Lord, who? Anyone. If anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, what that means is anyone who turns to the Lord, there is nothing hindering you from having a genuine encounter with God. Your only requirement is to turn to the Lord. And so for for, for many of us this morning, that should bring some comfort and some hope and some joy to you, that the only prerequisite, the only requirement from having a face-to-face encounter with God is to turn to Him. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, God desires to meet with you. We sang it over and over again this morning. You, you didn't have to, God, but you, but you did it anyway. You didn't have to, but you, but you did it anyway. And that's, that's a, that is a chorus. That is, a, that is a, a statement of God. Man, we may not have even been looking for you, but you still desire to be with us. You still desire to pursue us. You still desire to step in and and, and be a part of our lives. That should stir up some joy in you this morning. But when you turn to the Lord, nothing can hinder you from having a genuine encounter with God. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we're talking about in this face-to-face series. We're talking about these encounters with God. And I want to prove to you this morning that God can have an encounter with anybody. God can have an encounter with anybody in any stage or season of their life. And we see this in the life of a man named Jacob. Jacob. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Jacob. Uh, the word or the name Jacob uh, means deceiver or trickster, right? And so the story of Jacob is interesting because what you see about Jacob is that Jacob is, is, is in, an, in, an, in an environment of dysfunction. He, he has a dysfunctional family. He himself is dysfunctional. How many of you know about dysfunction? How many of you have ever heard the phrase dysfunctional family? How many of you here come from a dysfunctional family? How many of you here are dysfunctional? Them hands got low real quick. I hate to break it to you. If you have more than one person in your family, there's going to be dysfunction. There's not a person in this room here today that has never gone through a season of dysfunction in your life. And so in essence, we all have come from dysfunction. Some of us may still be dysfunctional. If that person is sitting next to you, do not nudge them this morning. Like, yo, that's you. Chris is talking to you. You are dysfunctional. But Jacob came out of a dysfunctional environment. He came out of a dysfunctional family, and he himself was dysfunctional. And this happened since birth. If you know the story of Jacob, Jacob is, is, is he's a, he's a twin. He's the youngest of twin brothers, and he's got an older twin brother named who? Esau. Esau. And the Bible says that that, that even in the womb, that that there was this this kind of tussle and this fight that was happening with these two twin brothers. And the Bible says that when when they were born at birth, Esau being the first born of the two, was coming out of the womb, and he came out with Jacob gripping his heel. Younger brother gripping the heel of older brother Esau. And even at birth, what we see is that Jacob wanted what his older brother had. Because see, Esau was the firstborn, and so what that meant was that that Esau had the blessed birthright meaning Esau, being the oldest of the two, would receive a a double inheritance. He would become the spiritual lead, the, the spiritual head of the family when their father dies. But Jacob wanted it. He didn't want Esau to have it. Jacob wanted it. So Jacob, being the deceiver, being the trickster, wanted to do all that he could to get his older brother's status and position. And so what we see in the scriptures is that Jacob, the trickster, the conniver, is going to deceive. He's going to manipulate. He's going to use his own strength, his own ability, his own conniving ways to get this birthright, to get the blessing that his older brother Esau had. One of the ways he does that, see, another understanding Esau and Jacob, they were two completely different people. The Bible says that Esau, uh, he, he was very hairy. He was a rugged man, a rugged child. He, he was a hunter. He, he was an outdoorsman. He was the type that liked to be outside, where, where Jacob was more the homely guy. He was what you would call the mama's boy. He liked being at home. He liked doing homely things. So, like, if they, you were celebrating their birthday, and you wanted to get them gift cards, you would probably get Esau uh, Bass Pro Shop gift cards, right? And you would probably get Jacob like Bed Bath and Beyond or, 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 or williams Sonoma or, 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 or one of those shops. You, you know what I'm saying? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just trying to give you a picture of the differences of these two brothers. Some of you're like, "What's wrong with Bed Bath and Beyond?" First off, the name has bed and bath in it. I don't know what the beyond is. But that's just to give you an idea of these two brothers. And so, so Esau being the outdoorsman, Esau being the, the huntsman, uh, 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 the hunter, uh, the dysfunction started happening since birth. And so what we see is that even, even their parents contributed to this dysfunction. Because the parents had favorites. The parents had favorites. Anybody here have any favorites? Oh, don't raise your hand. Don't do that if your kids are here. Any, any, uh, parents are raising their hand. Wow. (laughs) Any, any siblings in here that were the favorites? You knew, you just know you're the favorite. Like, yeah, that was me. Who was not the favorite? Oh. So, so we see even at the beginning, the parents were contributing to this dysfunction. And I'm trying to paint a picture here of their parents, Isaac and Rebecca. Now, Isaac, Isaac favored Esau. He, the, the father favored Esau. He, he loved Esau. He was, the, he was the huntsman. He was the outdoorsman. He, he favored him more. But Rebecca, the mom, favored Jacob. And so what we see in the text is that is that, is that Rebecca wanted also her, her favorite son Jacob to also receive the blessing. He wanted Jacob to be the one that received the, the blessed birthright. He She desired for Jacob to be the one that was on top. So what you see is that even Rebecca starts to uh, uh, take part in this deceit and this deception and try to figure out ways that her son Jacob could get the birthright, could get the blessed birthright. And so in one occasion... Uh, Esau is out hunting. He's out doing what he likes to do. And Jacob is at home. He's cooking something. And and, and Esau comes home after a long day of, of hunting. And he gets home and he is starving. He is famished. He says, hey, little bro, what you cooking there? Man, it smells good. I want some. I've been out all day. I am starving, bro. I'm starving, Jake. Man, you you got something for me? And Jacob's like, yeah, I got something. I've been cooking all day. I've been using my William Sonoma gift card. I got something cooking really good. And Esau says, Well, I well, I want some. I'm, I'm hungry. Can you give me some? Well, Jacob, being the conniver, the deceiver, the manipulator says, yeah, I'll give you some food. I'll trade it for your birthright. How hungry are you? Go ahead and give me your birthright and I'll give you some food. Well, Esau really didn't care. He was like, whatever the case, I am hungry. So, yeah, take my birthright. Just give me some food. And so Esau trades his birthright for a meal. And Jacob, being the manipulator, the deceiver, said, hey, it works for me. And so we see this first instant where Jacob is is, is stepping and he's he's manipulating, he's working his way into becoming uh, uh, with the blessed birthright. And then in another occasion, if you remember... Esau being the favorite of his father Isaac. Isaac sends Esau out to go hunt because he loves he loves the meat he brings home. He loves the, the 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 food he brings home when he hunts. And so he sends him out and he says, Man, when you come back, I'm gonna make this official and I'm gonna bless you. You're my firstborn. I love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm gonna, let, let, we're going we're to solidify this today once you come back home. And so Esau leaves. But Rebecca, mama, she hears all that's going on. She says, Jacob, Jacob, we got to act quick. Your father is about to officially bless Esau. He's about to officially lay his hand on him and bless him and give him the blessing that he needs, his, his, his rightful, blessed birthright. He's about to give it to him. Man, we've got to do something. And so what does mama do? Mama takes her favorite son, Jacob. Just hear it quick. I need you to to kind of dress up like Esau. I need you to kind of smell like Esau because, see, your father, he's, he's real sickly right now. He can't see too good, but maybe we can trick your father into blessing you instead of Esau because Esau's not here. And so Jacob goes along for the ride. And he begins to dress himself up and make himself smell like Esau does. Because his dad, Isaac, can't really see that well. He's he's already getting very sickly. And so long story short, Jacob goes to his father. His father is thinking that he's talking to Esau. And because of Jacob's trickery, he tricked his father into blessing him. Taking what was Esau's and he gave it to Jacob, and he blessed him, laid his hands on him. He blessed him. He he solidified it in that moment. And now he's the blessed one. Jacob, in that moment, got what he's wanted all along, his father's blessing, the blessed birthright. Well, then Esau comes home, He's back from a long day of hunting. He's back from a long day of his outside excursions, and he comes home, and he's like, Dad, I'm here. I'm ready for the blessing. I need you to bless me. And his father's like, wait, what? Wait a minute. I already blessed you. What's done is done. And it was in that moment that everything was revealed that Jacob, the deceiver, the trickster, the manipulator took Esau's birthright, took Esau's rightful place of blessing. And Esau was furious. Esau was mad at what little brother had done. and So now there is this vow that Esau is wanting to kill Jacob, big brother wanting to kill little brother for what he had done. And so Jacob flees. Nothing left for him to do but to flee and to leave in fear, out of fear of his own life. And so what we see in this moment is that the consequences of Jacob have now caught up to him. All the lying and the tricking and deceiving that he's done to get what he wanted now has caught up for him. Now he's running for his life. Now he's at a place of, I don't know what else to do but run in fear for my life. And so we see what the life of Jacob, what it has brought him. And I think there are many of us that can relate to that. There's many of us that can understand what that is. We know what it is to be a deceiver. We know what it is to be a manipulator. We, we know what it is to be a liar. We know what it is to be a cheater. And we also know what it is to have all the lying and cheating that we've done catch up with us at one time or another. Am I alone in this? Has there ever been a time you've been exposed because of your lies and deceptions? Has there ever been a time where the consequences of what you've done have caught up with you? And there's nothing else left for you to do but run. And so here we see Jacob, this lying deceiver, on the run for his life. Where many in the world would count him out where many in the world would just totally just let him be and and let him do what he, look at him running, he deserves what he got. He needs to be on the run for his life. He needs to be in fear for his life. He brought that on himself. Look at Jacob running, where the world would count him out for what he's done. What we're going to see is a God encounter in Jacob's darkest moment. Because, see, Jacob came to a place where he realized, after his time of being on the run, after his years of being on the run, he realized, man, there is nothing left for me out here. I've got to go back home. But there's one thing standing in my way going home, and his name is Esau. Because Esau wants my head. Esau wants to kill me. But Jacob has no other options. He's got to go back home. And so Jacob now is on this journey back home, and he's figuring out what he's going to tell Esau. He's trying to figure out what the reaction is going to be when he sees him. And he's afraid, and he's fearful, and, but he knows there's no other option for him in this scenario. And so now we go to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Verse 24 says this, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Let's stop right there for a moment. Now, now Jacob, remember, he's, he's now decided he's got to return back home, and now he's afraid for his life, and, but he, he knows it's something that he has to do, and he's concerned about his older brother Esau wanting to kill him still. And, and so now he's at this, this point of, of decision of what he's going to do. And in his darkest moment, says that a man comes to wrestle with him. Now, that's pretty random, if you ask me. Like, just out of nowhere, a man just shows up, wants to wrestle with you. Like, that's just weird. But a man shows up to wrestle with Jacob. And it says that he wrestled him till daybreak. So he wrestled all night long. All night long, there was this fight going on between Jacob and this man. Now, just to kind of uh, get some context here, many uh, uh, commentators, many theologians believe at this moment that this was actually God himself, that this was God himself that came to wrestle with Jacob. And they wrestled all night long. There's this fight happening between God and Jacob. Now, before you get this idea that, man, Jacob must be pretty strong, I mean, if he can hang with God like that, Man, Jacob must be like superhuman or something. Let's not get it twisted. Imagine, if you will, father wrestling with little toddler, son. You know, I've wrestled with my girls before, I've, I've rough house my girls before, but you know, I, I, I don't just obliterate them, I want to play. And so there are times when we're wrestling and and, and they get me in a headlock or something like that or whatever. And I'm like, oh, oh, you hurt me. You hurt me. But I'm just playing around. I'm kind of just toying with them for a little bit. Well, that's what's going on here. God is just toying with Jacob. He's like, let's wrestle all night long. Let's do this. And so Jacob is wrestling. And when God sees that Jacob is still not giving up. Jacob is not fighting. Jacob Jacob has not stopped fighting. He is still continuing to fight. He's fighting all night long. God says, okay, he wants this really, really bad. Jacob is at his wit's end. Jacob has nowhere else to turn to. But Jacob realizes something in that moment. There's something special about this moment. Clearly, there's something special going on right here, and I don't want to give up until I see what this is. And so Jacob is wrestling, and the man, or God, sees that he's not giving up, and he wrestles all night long. finally, God says, look, I'm going to have to just stop this. So the Bible says that God touches Jacob's hip. Touches his hip and knocks it out of socket. Is there anybody here who's ever had a hip knocked out of socket before? Like, I can only imagine the pain to have your your, your hip knocked out of socket. But God is like, okay, I see that he's serious. I see that, that he's fighting. I see that he's wrestling. I see that he's not giving up. Let me go ahead and let me go ahead and end this right now. Boop. Knocked his hip out of socket. And so what we see in this moment is that that Jacob is wrestling with God, and he doesn't want to give up. And let me just tell you something this morning. Uh, There are many of us who are in a season right now where we're wrestling with God, and you just don't know it yet. Some of you have come to your wits end. some of you have come to the realization, man, there's nothing left for me to do. I've tried everything. I've done everything my way. I've, I've, I've been a deceiver. I've been a liar. I've been a cheater. And all that's done for me has gotten me some bad consequences. But in steps the Lord and he steps into the right in the middle of your situation. He steps right in the middle of your darkest hour. And he says, Chris, everyone else may have left you because of what you've done. There are probably people that can't stand you, Chris, but I'm here, and something's got to change. And so like Jacob wrestling with God, there are many of us that are wrestling With the Lord, we're fighting. We're fighting. We're fighting. Maybe there's there's sin in your life that you're 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 trying to you're trying to hold on to. Maybe there's there's bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart that you keep you keep trying to hold on to. And God is there wrestling with you, saying, No, Chris, that's not good for you. No, Chris, that's not going to do in well for you. No, Chris, you need to stop this. No, Chris, you need to let go of that sin. No, Chris, you need to let go of that bitterness. You need to let go of that unforgiveness. And we're wrestling and we're wrestling and we're wrestling and finally God comes to a point that says look he's not going to stop he's not going to give up boop let me touch his hip let me break him because right now that is all that it's going to take for him to change is Chris needs to be broken And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you really want to change in your life, it's going to take God delivering some brokenness to you. He's going to have to break you. And let me be very honest and very clear with you this morning, that is not a fun season to be in. In fact, it's a very painful season to be in. But many times, more often than not, brokenness is required for us to experience true change in our lives. And it's out of that brokenness, it's out of that pain, that when we encounter God in that brokenness, that we can receive a new strength. See, this is where we say, I give up. This is where we say, God, I'm, I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to figure this out on my own. I'm try, tired of using my own strength, my own ability, my own know-how, my own deception, my own manipulation. I'm tired of using all those things to try to get my way. I give up. And some of you just need God to touch you so you can be broken. And it's in your brokenness that he gives you a new strength. It's it's in your brokenness that you stop trying to live and figure this out on your own terms. See, that's what an encounter with God will do for you. See, an encounter with God can break you. See, in an encounter with God, you can experience some pain. But God would say that that brokenness and that pain is necessary for you. Some of you may be in the middle of brokenness right now. Some of you may be in the middle of the pain right now, and you don't realize that it's God. And you're fighting and you're wrestling and you're tussling. And some of you are right on the brink of God breaking you. You're right on the brink of God revealing himself to you and revealing to you a new strength that he wants to give you. I want to read something to you. Isaiah 40:29 says this. It says, he gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Have you ever seen a? Have you ever seen an eagle flapping his wings? Like when an eagle launches off, wherever he's launching off of a tree or a mountain or whatever, he just a one woof, and then he soars in the air. See, these other birds are always flapping. See, and some of us are just like the birds. We're like, I got this, I'm gonna figure it all out. I got, I don't need your help. I can do this, God. I don't need you. And birds are just flapping and flapping and flapping, but not the eagles. See, the eagles figured it out. The eagles said, man, why, why, why put myself through all that? Eagles probably talked to each other and said, man, look at those birds. <laughs> look at them just flapping away, getting all tired. They got to stop from tree to tree to tree. I got to rest. Got to rest. But not eagles. Eagles soar. Eagles soar. Eagles just let go. And so when he talks about the strength of eagles, he's talking about us walking in the strength of God where we don't have to keep flapping, trying to figure it out on our own, but we can soar on the winds of God. We can soar on the strength of God. All we have to do is let go and say, I give up. But he gives us a renewed strength. You know, I was... uh, when I was younger, I had some friends uh, who were lifeguards and, uh, and they really liked lifeguards. I used to, I used to live in, in Houston and so there would be times when we would go to Galveston a lot and so we were always around that growing up as a kid. And, and I had friends that were lifeguards who grew into be lifeguards and they would always say how when they were in training for rescuing people, they said if people were drowning in the ocean, or in the water, or in the pool, or whatever, specifically the ocean. He said, if they were panicking, he said, we couldn't go to them. We'd have to watch them panic. He said, because they were pan- When they panic, the, the strength that they have is it, out, of, out of fear and, and, and panic. They would, he said, they would literally could pull us down. They would get on top of us because they're panicking so bad. He said, so we would kind of be at a distance and watch them and wait for them to tire out and stop panicking. He says, and once we saw that they came to that place of, 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 of weariness and tired and their arms could no longer move anymore, he said, that's when we came in. He said, we came in and we were able to grab them and, and they were so tired they couldn't even lift their arms anymore. He said, but it was perfect for us because they were weak. And they wouldn't fight us as we try to rescue them. And it's the same way with the Lord a lot of times. He's wrestling with us. He's wrestling with us. The Lord could snap his finger and we'd be just He could do that to us in a moment, but he doesn't. Oftentimes what God does is he, he, he waits for us to tire out. He waits for us. It's like, man, are are you going to let me step in here, Chris? Because right now it's not looking too good for you. And we're panicking and we're struggling and we're trying to figure life out. And I, I got it, man. I, all I got to do is get this job. All I got to do is get this raise. All I got to do is get this. I got this. get this degree. I gotta, if I get this degree, everything will be better. If I get more money, everything will be better. I got to strive and I got to strive and I got to strive and make it. That's the only way things will get better. Meanwhile, God is there and he's watching. He's like, any day now, they're going to come to their end. Any day now, they're just going to release and give up and say, God, look, I've tried it all, and I'm not making it. And God will swoop in, and he'll give you a new strength. And so if we continue reading, it says here, it says, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So now that he's in the middle of this wrestle, now he's at the middle of of, of limping now because he touched his hip, he took it out of socket. Now now, now Jacob uh, has no other choice but to walk with this limp now. He's he's broken, he's experienced brokenness now. Now he's, he's realizing he can't make it in his own strength. Now he's given up and released it to God. Now the man comes and says, "Hey. By the way, what's your name?" Now this man knew Jacob's name, but he wanted to hear it from Jacob. "Who who are you? Deceiver, liar, cheater, manipulator." He wanted Jacob to be real with himself. He wanted Jacob to admit who he really was. He didn't want Jacob just to be like, man, I'm I'm good. I'm okay. I'm not that bad. But God wasn't satisfied with that. Because see, not only did God want to renew his strength, God also wanted to change his identity. And so with the new strength came a new identity and says, oh, you say your name is Jacob. It's not Jacob. I'm changing that to Israel. Because on this day, you are no longer a deceiver. On this day, you're no longer a manipulator. On this day, you're no longer a liar. All those past labels are gone. But because of your encounter with me, I'm not only giving you a new strength, but I'm also giving you a brand new identity. Because you came to the realization of who you were. See, a lot of us are stuck there. We don't want to admit who we really are. but A lot of times God just wants to hear you say it. Because some of us are still deceiving ourselves, thinking we're okay. And we're good. We'll figure it out. We've got this. when God just wants you to confess and just come in agreement with what he already knows. Because it's in that brokenness and it's in that vulnerability and honesty that God can come in and change your identity. He can make you new. He can make you brand new. Isaiah 43, 18, we know this, forgetting the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things. Forgetting your past. You are no longer a cheater, deceiver, manipulator anymore. I'm changing you. I'm doing a new thing. I'm giving you a brand new identity. Because, see, you can't have an encounter with me and things not change. You can't have a genuine encounter with God and things stay the same in your life. It doesn't work that way. See, when you encounter God, things will change. When you encounter God, your identity will change. You just need to be honest with yourself. Not only say, I give up, but now you got to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, change me. I need to be changed. I need to be changed, and he will change us. And then Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there so Jacob called the place Peniel saying it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared see not only did he get a new strength not only did he get a new identity but it was in that moment he got a new joy he got a new joy he received the blessing. He received the blessing because he knew he could not move forward in life being the same. He could not move forward in life still being Jacob the deceiver. I don't want the blessings that I can attain out of my own manipulation and ability. I want the blessing, God, that only you can give. So it was in that moment he received a new joy. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so what is he saying? He's saying, look, God, only your joy and your peace is the only thing that's going to satisfy me. And when you have an encounter with God, a genuine encounter with God, It's then and only then that you know the true satisfaction of his peace and joy. See, you can try to obtain things in your own strength in this life. You can do your best to climb the ladder of success. You can do your best to to stand over people, to walk over people, to get to where you need to be. You can do all that. And you know what? We've all done it to some degree. We've all been manipulators. We've all been liars. We've all been cheaters. We've all lived a life of self deception. But it's time for us to have a genuine encounter with God. It's time for us to start desiring that face to face encounter with the Creator of the universe. And that he would speak to us as one friend to another. Because it's then and only then that we'll experience true change. And I'm here to tell you this morning. God wants to give you a new strength. You just got to give up. You just got to give up. And for some of us, it's going to take brokenness to get us to give up. For some of us, it's going to take pain. Because you may be asking, why am I going through all this mess that I'm going through? Could it be possible that God has allowed it so that instead of looking to yourself, that you would begin to look to him He wants to give you a new strength. Why? Because he wants to change you. He wants to give you a new identity. He doesn't want you defined by your past. He doesn't want you defined by lies and deception. He doesn't want you defined by the things you used to do and the person you used to be. No, he wants to make you new. And he wants to give you a true joy and satisfaction. That, my friend, is what an encounter with God can do. And let me tell you something. God is not intimidated by your dysfunction. He wants to meet with you. I don't care how foul your life is right now. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did before you got here today. but he desires to meet with you. He's not intimidated by your darkness. He's not scared of that. That stuff you keep hidden, that stuff you don't want nobody else to know about because if they discover it, if they know about it, man, they might look at you different. That stuff right there, God sees it all. And yet he still desires to step into your life. He still desires to have an encounter with you. Because he wants to change you. He wants to change you. Let's stand to our feet. Whatever your season is right now at this moment, whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever darkness you're in right now, whatever sin you're in right now. For many, if not some of us, man, maybe, maybe there's sin in your life right now that's just wearing you out. Maybe all the hiding of your sin and trying to keep it from getting exposed, man, is is wearing you down. And maybe it's time for you just to let the lifeguard come rescue you. Maybe it's time for you to stop wailing and stop panicking and stop using your own strength to figure things out. Maybe it's time for you just to let go. And let the lifeguard come. The lifeguard wants to rescue you. He wants to rescue you. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you see every person in this room today. You see every heart in this place today. God, and we know you desire to have an encounter with us. You want to meet with us right now, right where we're at. Father, we desire a face-to-face encounter with you right now. Even in the midst of our dysfunction, even in the midst of our darkness, God, we turn to you We're tired of doing this on our own. We're tired of trying to maintain and and, and figure this out in our own strength, and our own ability. God, we need you. We need the lifeguard. So, Father, I pray that right now at this moment that you would meet with people. Lord, meet with them right now. Reveal your love to them. Reveal your love to them. Reveal your joy to them. Reveal your peace to them right now in the name of Jesus. Those that are going through a season of brokenness right now, those that are going through a season of pain right now, meet with them. Or we ask for a new strength today. A new strength. We give up. We give up. And Lord, we ask that you would change us. Lord, we want a new identity this morning. A new identity. We're tired of deception. We're tired of the lies. We're tired of the cheating. We want a new identity. We want you to change us. And we want to walk in the joy that only you can give. The only joy that satisfies. So, right now, Father God, we thank you for meeting with us. We thank you, Lord, that we are not walking out of here the same way. Continue to do a work in us today. As husbands, as wives, as mothers, as fathers, as sons and daughters, change us this morning change us this morning. And Lord, in closing, we say thank you for being a God that desires to meet with us. God, you desire to meet with me? You desire to meet with every single one of us in this room today. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for your presence. Thank you that you've never given up on us and that you desire a face-to-face encounter with us as one friend to another. We thank you. We glorify you. We honor you this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen.